0: Welcome back, everyone. I got the mic adjusted right. You can hear me okay? Okay. All right. So we've got about 35 minutes left. You made it through a lot of information on a long day. So I hope it's been useful. Um, so we're going to look at these, uh, bring it all together now. This is kind of the culmination of the day. But let me just, uh, from talking to someone at the break, I wanted to just give you one example of something. Um, some teachers in their systems put a lot of emphasis on particular methods or practices or techniques as part of cultivating the qualities they want to cultivate. And other teachers, like I'm, I'm more, you know, I don't focus on a particular technique you have to do. I want to find what method or practice or technique is best for, because we're all different. Uh, somebody was talking to me earlier that mindfulness of breathing didn't work for them, but they finally realized that they could do some other practice, I think it was body scan or mindfulness of sound, I forgot what you... And so, I'm more in that school of thought. And I want to give you one example of someone that I think really drove this home for me. So, you know, I've used the example of Powak a lot today, only because in the Vasudhi Maga style, I don't practice in his style myself, I've met him and talked with him, I interviewed him in my book, And uh, I think it's pretty clear I have uh, the utmost respect for him. matter of fact, it would be impossible to overstate how much respect I have for Powak. Uh, If you ever meet him, he's like, I don't know what it means to be the real thing. But when you meet him, it's like, okay, he's the real thing. (laughs) That's just all there is to it. Uh, It's interesting, though, when I, uh, I haven't heard him say this, but like Stephen and Tina, who teach in his style, they have a particular technique. They insist on paying attention to the breath. Is this right? they really right on the gist either actually in space outside or maybe just barely touching the skin on the lip. Is that right? Actually, not touching, but just at that point. At that point. The right, they don't want you to get the physical sensation. They want you to just be there, but it's 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 not actually the physical experience and keep your concentration there. And I have heard, it may have been Steve and Tina wrote in their book or maybe Powak, that if you don't do that particular technique, um, you're just not going to, it's not going to work. You've got to do it that way, otherwise, other techniques. So that's fine, and I'm not, I don't mean to be critical in any way, but I actually met someone who, I uh, knew someone who practiced with Powak, got into the fort for his first jhana, and was, Powak validated that he, he had attained the jhana. But he totally blew off Powak's style of practice because he didn't think it was working, but he didn't tell Powak. Because he didn't feel like he wanted to tell him, <laughs> and he got this weird thing going. He said he started feeling something in between in his third eye, and he put his attention there, and it went blah blah blah. And then he got this nimitta, and then he, and so I thought that was a great. And then once he got into First John, then he followed, Pauk, very uh, uh, diligently with his teachings. But what got him in the First jhana, he wasn't doing that at all. And I thought, what, was, what I loved about that was, it's nothing against Powak and his system, but it just goes to show that where, this is me's teaching, not the suttas, where you put your attention, that's just a technique. It's a method or a practice. And what's important is um, what works best for you. And as far as I can see, people seem to be getting into, I've seen people getting into jhanas, it's not one way that you have to practice. The technique isn't what's important. And in fact, when you get deeper into the jhana, remember the first jhana simile? There's no breath or body scan or mindfulness of sound. or There's no technique in there. It's the piti is suffused through the body. This is why, for example, if you get into jhana through... Um, one of the ways that metta, loving kindness, is often taught... Some, some of the ways it's taught is, is, just, is just the experience, the feeling, and you radiate it. But a way it's commonly taught is repeating phrases of loving kindness, like, may all beings be happy, something like that. You're doing It's a mantra. You're chanting, a, repeating a mantra. You could chant anything. It could even be nonsensical and would get you into concentration. The reason that met is so powerful is the words have meaning. So the meaning of loving kindness goes in with the concentrating power of the mantra and it's extra supercharged, charges the loving kindness, so it's got an extra power. But you're doing a mantra. Well, I've heard people say, some people say that's a great way to get in. That's kind of more from a Vasudhi perspective about getting into jhana. But from a sutta perspective, some people don't want you to do that practice because it's getting more into a mental realm. You're not in the body. But I'm just mentioning it because that's another example. If that works for you, It's fine as a doorway into samadhi. And then if you want to switch to sutta style jhana, once the piti gets going, you let go of the mantra and we'll do what's in the simile. Suffuse the piti through the body. You got the piti through the mantra. So that's an example of my encouragement is to find the practice that supports you the best that you can connect with, that's working, that's deepening your concentration, not increasing your stress. They're all going to converge into one place. It's, it's just, it's, not everybody's going to say that, but that's what I want to offer. Okay,
1: All right. Richard? Yeah. Can I, can I just add one thing Please since do. you asked me to? So uh, Powak would do the very same thing that you just suggested, So if you want to use Anapanasati, he would give you the instruction for where to place the breath and how to recognize the breath and so on and so but if that's not working for a meditator then he'll try all of those other things with you. So you could go in doing 32 parts of the body, you could go in doing four Mm -hmm. elements, you could go in doing skeleton meditation. He must be
0: reading my books! I didn't realize (laughs) I didn't realize I was giving him so many tips on how to teach meditation.
1: Yeah. I was a hard nut to crack, and so he had to take me through all okay. of these different good. things.
0: Good. I didn't know that, but yeah. that's a good So, So, this guy who, who got a different way, he wasn't like he was a secret outlier, he just found his doorway. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people uh, take what's offered, not just with Pawak, but they'll take the instruction literally and think that is the one and only way that it works. but so Powak would use, like, white light as to the lim- nimitta, but it could come in different color lights. It could come oh, okay. in black light. It could come in... So Interesting. This, so he's looking at what actually happens for people. Right.
0: Does he even say that the nimitta can be a experience in the body?
1: I haven't heard him say yeah. that, but uh, in terms of it being... You know, he describes it very specifically in his book and, and when you're with him, but if you went and said... But Sayadaw, you know, I'm seeing black luminosity or something, then you then would say, well, of course. Okay,
0: so there you go. So see, I, I'm glad, thank you for, and again, a lot of this wasn't focusing on Powak. I just, he's the, as I said, the best I know of as a very traditional Vasudimaga path. So anyway, so good. Thank you.
2: Well, because I do experience a lot of light, and he was very clear that it was not the breath nimitta. The light that I was experiencing was karmic. And I don't know how he knew that, but you know, he, was, he was like, no, that's not, that's not what I want you to do. <laughs> It's not that go I ahead. don't want you to do that, but that's not the breath nimitta. That's something that he actually told me it was karmic. So okay. he has a, does have a clear sense of taking someone on a certain okay. progression. So,
0: there you go. Thank uh, you.
2: Can can I ask you a question about practicing you can online? but I'm gonna
0: uh, and we may depending on what it is We'll okay. talk now or we'll take it offline because I want to make sure we look at these three controversies in our 25 minutes. Okay. Yes, please
2: so I noticed I Began to notice that concentration arises for me in a couple different ways and one is Which I'm more used to noticing and comfortable with is throughout the day, as later in the day, I get more concentrated, it's very body-based, sensation gets more refined, I start to notice energy moving, yeah. But the other way that concentration arises for me, it took quite a while to, to recognize it as concentration, is it can arise as a function of deep relaxation, not a progression throughout the day. It might be first thing in the morning, it might be after I've had a walk, or after I've done yoga and I'm in a deeply relaxed state, and I sit down, and then it's as though my mind is taken over. I have, it's not volitional. <laughs> my mind is taken over, and there's a deep, absorptive quality, and there's rapture, and there's little or no thought, and then it just disappears at some point. And it's extremely difficult to investigate. I've set the intention to investigate uh-huh. it many times. And it took quite a while to recognize that as concentration, actually, because it's, it's more mind-based. It's very light. The body is there, but it's very mm-hmm. light. Whereas I would say the body-based mm-hmm. concentration has got a little bit heavier quality All to right. it. So there, it just made me very curious and about the relationship to jhana, because they're both concentration. They're yeah. very different in how they develop.
0: Well, as we said earlier, the range of experiences in jhana Is actually so vast that it's considered an imponderable, and in not even talking about jhana, the way that concentration unfolds, what leads to deepening samadhi, you know, it's, it's, I mean those both sound lovely. (laughs) Yes, I, I mean I don't, yeah? Okay. Okay. So, a basic dispute about jhana, we've already talked about, is whether one can experience the body while in jhana or not. Um, And I say here, to put this in your notes, there is controversy as to whether the mind is unified and aware of changing experience or one-pointed whether it is a state of mindfulness and clear connection with body awareness or a purely mental state of fixed concentration, which there is no awareness of the body at all. So, let's explore that a little bit. What page are you? I was reading my own notes there. You're on page 11 for of your notes. So we're mostly going to focus on the suttas because the because the Vasudhi states explicitly one of the things the vasudhimaga does that the suttas doesn't do is it has a it's very explicit in a lot of places where the suttas are vague. So they lay out Buddha Gosā laid out that system very clearly, and um, so the vasudhimaga we already know. No body awareness. Okay? So, and the you know, people who are practicing the Maga are those are people who are saying, if you want to understand what the suttas are saying, you have to understand it through the interpretation of the lens of the Vasudhi Magha. And then there's people like me who say, no, 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 it's a different system. And you don't actually, you don't have to look at it through the lens of the Vasudhi Magha because it actually went in a different direction. Right? So let's take a look um and it's not for me to say you know you can really even if the answer isn't so important the important thing for all of this is just to not be confused or think there's a right or wrong right and just i know i say it over and over but it's so important just find what supports each of us however i am right <laughs> just just wanted to say that and um <laughs> So, um, so here's what's interesting. Here, let me look. Um, we know the John similes are clearly they use this term "kaya," which means body. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment because there's different interpretations of the of that term. But in the, in the jhana similes, I think it was pretty clear, it's not a metaphorical body. It's the physical, it's talking about the body. It's a fusing through your body, right? That was pretty clear. All right. There's another interesting sutta, which I mentioned at the, near the top of page 11, and it's called the Kaya Gattasati Sutta the Kaya is the body Sati Mindfulness it's the mindfulness of the body Sutta MN middle length discourses Majjhima Nikaya 119 and what it does is very interesting it takes the text of remember we said in the Satipatthana Sutta the four foundations of mindfulness the first section was on mindfulness of the body and it uh, is ex- it, 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 and it has the six practices of being mindful of the body and in that sutta there's no question it's talking about the physical body it's talking about the breath four postures all activities four elements, meditation and some others it's clearly talking about this actual physical body the kaya Gattaciti sutta takes that uh, exact text and reproduces it again um, and at the end of each one of those body practices it said, as, so this is whether you're doing the body or all that. This isn't in your notes. I don't think I put it in here. But he says, um, the text says, it goes through like breathing and then, or, and, or four postures or whatever. And at the end of each it says, um, and he abides thus diligent, ardent, and resolute. His memories and intentions based on the household life are abandoned. And with their abandoning, his mind becomes steadily, steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. This is how a monk develops mindfulness of the body. So it's already connecting samadhi in with those body practices of the Satipatthana Sutta. But then the Kayagatasadi Sutta goes even further. It adds a seventh practice. In the mindfulness of the body, it adds a seventh practice on the four jhanas. And it repeats all that we looked at. The jhana definitions with the similes. And then it goes on again and says at the end, and thus he abides diligent, ardent, resolute. This is how a monk develops mindfulness of the body. And so, um, I think what we have to see here is that it's explicit here in the Kayagatasadi Sutta that it's taking the mindfulness of the body practice of the Satipatthana Sutta about the body. And now it's adding in a seventh Anjana and it's as explicit as can be that it's saying this is another way you develop mindfulness of the body. And I think it's pretty obvious anyway because of you know, these other texts we've looked at and the similes. So then you have to say, how is it that the Vasudhimaga Gets away with it. <laughs> Clearly there are meditative states. I've experienced them. And you can experience them. In which you have the Vasudhi Maga style jhana. You can do that. So we know those are real meditative states. That actually can be cultivated. The question is. Do you call. Are those jhana? Or is it something else? Is that what. The, what you know. Maybe those were the concentration states. That you could argue that. I've heard people say this, that the Buddha practiced before his enlightenment with those other teachers and they didn't lead to enlightenment and he abandoned them. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pushing that. I think that's... Yeah, those are people out to attack the Vasudhi Maga, I think. But uh, uh, you could... I've heard that. So, how does the Vasudhi Maga get away with it so you can't experience the body? Here's how they do it. The word kaya, which means body, but it, it can mean... The word body in English, it can mean a body of thought, a body of literature, a body of knowledge. It can mean the physical body, right? So the Vasudhimagga simply says in the suttas, when it talks about the body, it's talking about a metaphorical mental body. That's what they say. And that's why, in our, every time it's talking about that, it's talking about a metaphorical mental body. And the Vasudhimagga, Vasudhi it doesn't need my permission. I said, it, I was going to say, it can legitimately do that. Yeah. Well, just by its stature as the Vasudhimagga, it can legitimately <laughs> do whatever it wants because it's, yeah. it's such an important text for, again, certain Buddhists, not all. Um, so whatever it says, it has a lot of authoritative weight. But, you know, that's reasonable. It can do that. But I just want to say, In my, look at it this way. Before we figured out that the earth went around the sun and that the sun is part of rotating around the galaxy and there's all these galaxies, the belief was is that the whole universe revolved around the earth. And you could work out the math to make it, to, to show that. My understanding is the math is horrendous. You have to tie yourself in a pre- mental mathematical pretzel and tie that in a pretzel upon a pre- I mean, you're tying yourself, not to make it work, but you could do it. Right? Yeah, yeah, you've got these epicycles, and you've got, it's just super. So it's true we're not, but... Pretty much the universe is not going around the earth, there's no center to the universe. You know, we kind of it's and then the math all falls out. Well, if you want to say that what's talking about in the suttas, every place it's talking about kaya, it's talking about a metaphorical body, okay, you can say it. But it ain't. Mindfulness of breathing. It's not, it's talking about breathing in your body. Mindfulness of the four postures, mindfulness of all activities. All of that, it's not. And it just, it's a real stretch to say that in the, in the Kaya Gittasati Sutta, just in these first six, he's talking clearly about the physical body. And then the Buddha's changing the meaning in the seventh section on jhana in that sutta to mean some other meaning of a metaphorical body. Without signaling that he's doing so. Especially if it's so important that kaya not mean physical body. So there's other evidence I'll say also. But let me just leave you with this. The Sudhimagajan and the Suttajana are two different systems. Both to be respected. Respected path of practice. No right or wrong. Nobody's... Theravada Buddhism has two different jhana systems in them. They're not the same. There's the jhana in the suttas and a later development of jhana in the Vasudhi Maga. Two different paths of practice. The Vasudhi Maga path has become very influential and it really is more the style of spirit rock. IMS, am in, in our style. There's historical reasons why that's true. Fine. Ain't much in the suttas. Enough said on that? Yeah. Oh, so just and we don't have to attack each other. See, the reason I can get away with it? Because <laughs> most people are saying what I'm saying are calling the other people fools or idiots. Mm-hmm. And they're not. It's got... It's, a 2,000-year-old established venerable system, but they are just two different systems.
2: So given what you said before about an inclusive view or an exclusive there view, you go. How, how does that, just to make it really clear, how does those two views uh, fit in to these two different systems?
0: I think, it's, is it clear to you? Can,
2: well, I'm, I just want to make sure that what I'm thinking is what... What you're <laughs> thinking is
0: what we're all thinking. <laughs> If you have an inclusive samadhi...
2: Then it's both.
0: And, and by the way, you don't have to come out of uh, jhana to do something, a separate kind of practice called insight meditation. Mm-hmm. In the Vasudhimaga understanding, by definition, you have to come out of jhana if you're in that kind of state because you've lost connection with... I actually think a lot of insight does happen in those states. Mm-hmm. But the traditional understanding is... Uh, that you can't do insight because you've lost connection with changing change and you need to kind of back out enough to reconnect with changing phenomena to see into the impersonal, the the impermanent, all the nature of things in the service of insight. That's a classic more understanding. I think when you go into those meditative states, there's a tremendous amount of purification of mind that happens just being in the states, but that's a different thing. So let's leave that for now. And um, what I'm going to say here is, you know, we really were bit off a lot to chew uh, in one day. I, I know that. Our samadhi and insight, two paths are one. In the, um, uh, the Visuddhimagga, it's explicit. There are two paths. Path of samatha, and path of vipassana. And we talked about those this morning. What do the suttas say? Well, the suttas never explicitly um to de- de- separate into two paths. There's actually not a path in the sutta called Vipassana meditation by the way. Remember that's the Vasudhimaga terminology. All the practices are there but there's no place in the sutta that calls it uh, insight meditation. It's called uh, mental cultivation, bhavana or mental cultivation and um, Vipassana is insight, is something that you attain or get. It's not a style of practice. So, just different ways. So, on page 12 of your notes, we don't have much uh, time, but one of them, here's a few things. Important sutta, a lot of controversy at the top Anupada Sutta, Majjhima 111. Sariputta is able to discern and analyze all these qualities while he's in each jhana. And the states in the first jhana, remember those 11 qualities I mentioned this morning? The thought, examination, rapture, pleasure, unification, on and on. These states were individually determined, defined by him. Known to him, those states arose. Known to him, they were present. Known, they disappeared. He's perceiving the rising and passing away of all these things in the jhana. Pretty explicit wish we could could spend a whole day just on that. I got into a uh, debate with Analeo by email about this topic. I couldn't believe it. He emailed me because of my book. And I'm going, oh God, I'm in a debate with Analeo. How did this happen? (laughs) Get me out of this. I'm dead. (laughs) But I kind of wiggle my way out. (laughs) Uh, uh, We were in the middle of the back and forth. And my mother, uh, who died about a year and a half ago, was uh, dying. And I, I said to him, you know, Bonte, I want to get back to you, but uh, wow, I still owe him an email from a year and a half ago. And I got back and said, Bonte, I can't deal with it right now. And then it kind of dropped away. I hadn't thought about it until just now. I really don't want to be in a debate with Analeo. First of all, it's just, I don't want to be in that kind of debate anyway. But if I was going to be in a debate with someone, not him about Suntas, let me tell you that. Listen to this. Remember I said one of the declarations of enlightenment was destruction of the taints. Those three or four qualities. Here's a quote. The destruction of the taints occurs in dependence of the first jhana. Never says you come out of the jhana. A monk enters and dwells in the first jhana. Whatever states are included, they are comprised by form, feeling, perception, volitional formations, or consciousness, the five aggregates. He views those states as impermanent, as suffering, as empty, as non-self. You don't have to come out of that. And you can interpret that. I want to say other people will interpret in different ways. But you have plenty of. It's not clear. I'm just saying you have plenty of canonical evidence. Either way. And I would argue. If you want to separate insight meditation. And then later turn to something called concentration. And back and forth. That's fine. But if you want to not separate them out. <laughs> Tan Jeff's kind of more like me. Not so much a hard separation. And one more. Majinma, this is the Buddha talking. I entered upon and abided in the first John and the second John and the third and the fourth. When my mind was, with, when my concentrated mind was thus purified, bright, unblemished, rid of imperfections, malleable, wieldly, steady, and attained to imperturbability—good description of the first John—I directed it to the knowledge of the destruction of the taints. He had that kind of powerful mind in John. I don't. The way I read it, we could go on. Oh, and here at the bottom, listen to this. All who attain Arahatship, and Arahant is someone who is fully enlightened, at bottom of page 12, do so in one of four ways. One develops insight preceded by serenity. This is the tranquility and insight. Or one develops serenity preceded by insight. Or one develops serenity or an insight joined in pairs. There's another. So to me the suttas are pretty clear that you know, these are, it's hard to separate. Sometimes it feels like we're leaning on the insight side versus the concentration side. Right? Even if you think you're going to do concentration, you go to Spirit Rock, you do the concentration retreat, you sit there and you're doing concentration, and then difficulties, hindrances come up, and you need to work with them and let go of your suffering. You're on the insight side. Or you're doing traditional non-samadhi, you know, kind of pure insight practice and four foundational of mindfulness and you get concentrated. You're on the concentration. These things work together. I'm, I'm having to go real quick here. I could spend a whole day on that. Here's what I'd say about is jhana necessary for liberating insight. You can read through these texts but here's the basic thing. There's no place in the text that specifically say jhana is or is not necessary to be an arhat in the suttas. The we already know there's a path of pure insight that doesn't require jhana in their system. In the suttas, I would say, as you look through the way it's talked about, um, not for stream entry, and as you go through the four stages of enlightenment, the case gets stronger and stronger for the role of jhana, all the way up to be Arhat, pretty strong case, never clear, open to... We just don't have time to go into it. I'll just say it's it's never clear if the does really say it's absolutely necessary or not. Okay. So to conclude. You can read it yourself. I'll just pick a few things from your notes. In the, this is my own commentary. It's nobody else, okay? In the Vasudhi Magga, insight meditation and the path of concentration and tranquility were necessarily separated because in the fixed concentration of the Vasudhi Magga, insight could arise only upon leaving jhana. In the Vasudhi Magga, the entire reason for developing tranquility is to attain jhana in order to then turn to other practices for cultivating insight. So that's that system. The suttas do not make such a um, clear insight. And then I say here, the suttas never clearly articulate a dry path of pure insight in which jhana plays no role. In the suttas, number one, and this is where I wimped out, I took this text from my book. The practice of right samadhi seems to integrate tranquility insight into a single meditative path. If they ever reprint the book, I want to take the word seems out. I want it to seem soft and welcoming and inclusive. I really want to say, that, read it again without the word seems. This is me that I'm just all commentary now, so I can just say my own thing. The path of right samadhi. So here's my definition of right samadhi tranquility and insight yoked evenly together. That's my own definition. That's just me. Also, I say, in the suttas, mindfulness meditation is a concentration pla- practice leading to jhana. Insight meditation is not a separate practice. We already talked about jhana being separate. If you want to, if you turn the last page of your notes, I have a nice little table here that compares jhana in the suttas suttis and the suttimaga. So let's just go through it as just an ending. The four absorptions, in the suttas, they're called the four jhanas. Magga calls, calls them the four rupa jhanas. Four formless attainments, in the suttas, they're called the arupas. In the Magga, they're also usually called the arupas, but in a few cases are called the rupa jhanas. Type of concentration, remember I I translated a kagata two different ways. Unification of mind or one-pointed concentration fixed on a single object. That's my own distinction. Body awareness in jhana. The Maga, no experience of the physical body and changing phenomena. Suttas, again I kind of wimped, I said seems to suggest. I just wanted to not be too much of a jerk about it. But take the word seems to suggest out. Heightened experience of an insight into the physical body and changing phenomena. I actually think jhana is a heightened insight. But. Insight meditation practice. Sutta suggests that insight practice can be undertaken within jhana. Doesn't have to be but it's an option. Vasudhimaghi. Insight must come all night in jhana. nimitta. We talked about how in the Vasudhi actually it doesn't have to be a visual image. I put that there. It can also, the, the, the same paragraph says it can be a, in the body too. And I said there in the suttas, it's more of a general term that means a th- sign, theme, or basis of something. And remember we talked about preparatory access and fixed concentration. Those are Vasudhi terms. Uh, they don't appear anywhere in the suttas. So they were in, that was in kind of a new, just more different So I, I apologize for that little fast whirlwind at the end, but um, to be respectful of the time, it's actually 4 o'clock now. Do we go to 4 or 4.30? Oh, that's fantastic. Do we really go to 4.30? What does that say? Right, so here's what happened. Ah, I got it. On the IMC website... No, so on the IMC website... We started at 9 and went to 4.30. On the Sati Center website, we started at 9.30 and ended at 4. They robbed us of an hour, half an hour on each end. So here's the, 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 the situation we find ourselves in. Some of you are here expecting to leave at 4. And some of you are here expecting to leave at 4.30. So here's what I'd like to offer. I'm just doing this on the fly real quick. We already kind of went quick. I don't want to have to go back. Now, I think we've kind of basically got the main themes for the day. I hope so. I feel like it. we kind of did. Um, what I'd like to do is use this last half hour in a special way. Everybody who needs to leave, I mean, really, take care of yourself. Don't feel funny about it or self-conscious. Just go. <laughs> it's good. It's all, no, fine. And those who are here to stay, I have a couple of suggestions on how we might use the time. We'll do a little ending where we actually quiet this down and sit. And um, I could use, i have just all this, you know, I've been doing like all this talking. I could use to settle my body. We'll do a little of that at the end, a little quiet sitting. But also what I thought we could do with this time is open it up to questions or discussion about anything that came up either today about even looking at the texts or about practice. Anything that's just alive, that would be useful for the time, so we can really use the time. So hopefully that will meet everyone's needs. Does that seem reasonable? Okay, so let's do that. So anyway, for those who are leaving, I'm really happy to have been able to spend the day with you, and thanks for hanging in for a a lot for the day. So any... For those who are staying, any... um, Question or comment? If not, that's fine. We might just meditate and end, whatever. Yes, please.
2: Uh, this has to do with something very small that I read in your book, and would just like you to e- explain one of the ten fetters. Yeah which is cr- craving for fine material existence. Right. Could you say what that is?
0: Yes. So here's, here's what it is. So we have to back up for a moment. Some of you will already know this. So everything we've been talking about is held within a broader context. In the Theravada Buddhist understanding, the, uni- the world is not just this world we in, we're in. There's all these different realms... You don't have to believe in anything, but this is part of just the, the context in which these teachings are offered. So there's, you know, there's hell realms that are talked about. That stuff's in the suttas. And animal realms. And and there's all these kind of other realms that we might call deva realms. It'd be like heaven realms in a sense. of uh, um, Where you don't have a physical... What am I doing here? Hold on a second. Okay, there it is. And and so it might be purely like mental realms, right? Some of the Deva realms or what we call heaven realms are, are these more refined realms. Very pleasant and just and, and, and there's not physical form in there. So they, they divide the they divide the the cosmos up into the material realm. And then some of these other realms, they're real places in this, in this understanding. I don't have any experience of them. Don't have to believe in them. Material realm, and then some of the more subtle realms, like heaven realms or something. Uh, there might not be, uh, uh, they're fine material. They're still form, but maybe have bodies of light or something like that. You know, these are... Ethereal, heavenly bodies. That's fine material. And then above that, there's even these immaterial realms where there's, the form's not there, but there's still realms of experience and more mental. So that's a kind of craving that you can have where, okay, sense pleasures is not going to... I've let go of that, but I still want to be born in existence in like one of these heaven realms. So that, that's what it's talking about. That drops away. That's a fetter. Right, so it can be seen as craving to that also. That's another understanding, yeah. Where you, do, where you take all of these realms, not, you don't understand them as actual, have as a reality just like this world has a reality, but you understand as like states of consciousness. And when you're in a jhana, maybe you're in this immaterial, that's the formless, or this fine material realm, or something like that. And, and when you're in a hell realm, it's not a, you don't have to go anywhere else. Look, you, if you're not in one in your own life, just listen to the news. And there's plenty of places in this world. Those are hell realms. Yes, please. Oh, is there a mic around? Or Well, it is over. So either way, whatever, just do what he says. <laughs> oh, they're still recording, though. Uh, so, uh, going back to Satipatthana
3: Sutra, uh, the first one is uh, body, uh, being aware of the body, and the second one you said feeling tone, and then you also described pleasant, neutral, unpleasant. Uh, so, to me, I feel that always there is sensation in the body uh, whenever you know sense organ meets the sense object, there is a feeling tone that arises. To me that is kind of experienced as a sensation in the body. I mean, that's how it is for me. Yeah. If it is, right? I mean, it's already covered in the first part because, you know, you're aware of the body. So yeah. uh, I just want to, you know, uh, there's some confusion. I want
0: to... Right. So I think here's the way I would offer to understand the teachings that it's no question, there's no question that when any experience arises, any kind of experience, it can be a visual experience, a mental experience in the body, whatever it is, that experience will, along with it, you can't separate them out, it will either be a pleasant experience, an unpleasant experience, or it will be kind of, sometimes people say neutral, but it actually, neutral can feel a little like it's dead. It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, or kind of in between. It's not obviously pleasant or unpleasant. So, think of the suttas as... There, it's just meant not to be sort of an ontology of how things actually work from reality. Like, is there the experience, and is the pleasantness some different thing? It's just more as skillful means how we experience it. You can tend to the to the Vedna aspect of experience, so you can't have uh, you can't have uh, vedna without actually having the raw sensation, right? So there's. Knee pain arises. I think the vast majority of people would experience that as unpleasant, right? So you'd call it, there's an unpleasant vaiden, an unpleasant sensation. So it's knowing, it's adding in the awareness of the unpleasant there. And the whole reason for that is, is you know, it's just to, because we can, if you look at from the uh, Four Noble Truths, maybe you already know this, but, some, but or Four Noble Truths or Dependent Origination, what gives rise to the suffering? If we have, if we if we have a mind and a body. And our sense organs are working properly. We'll have sense experience. Sight, sounds, or whatever. If you have sense, you have sense contact, they call it. If you have sense contact, you're going to not only have experience, you're going to have vedana, Pleasant experience is unpleasant coming and going. If you have vedana, it tends to cause, or we say condition the mind towards craving, which means... I want more pleasant, get me away from unpleasant. That leads to clinging. So it's just a way of looking at your experience. That's the way to think about it. As uh, um, to help us see, oh, if we can just mindfully see that something's unpleasant, we don't have to fall into the craving, right? So we use it as a tool. Now, sometimes people will think, well, when you talk about Vedna, is it talking about is a pleasant experience, or is it just the fact of pleasantness itself? It's kind of separate. But I don't find—I don't know if that's kind of what you were talking about or not. But I find that that's not such a useful way. It's like you have an experience; it's either pleasant or unpleasant. We can notice that, let go of clinging.
3: Yeah, my question is: uh, it, it is a sensation in the body, right? Which is kind of already covered in the first part. So how is how is he giving another? Oh, I to see what it? you're
0: saying. Yeah. I can't answer why this. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I cannot answer why this particular structure came to be, but the way I interpret it is just because it's so important. They want to highlight that aspect, so they kind of pulled it up. You're exactly right. You're, it is covered in there. Just up to say, no, really, it's important. Yeah, sorry, I went on that whole thing. I misunderstood you.
4: Uh hope this question makes sense. Uh, suppose you reach a blissful state, not through concentration, but through letting go. Uh yeah. yeah. And, and and letting go through um, understanding dependent yeah. origination and seeing how your attachments are not serving you well and um getting tired of craving. <laughs> uh uh and, um, and then you really, really let go for a period of time. But it's not through concentration. That has nothing to do with the jhana states, right? Yeah. Yes or no? I mean. You
0: no, know, I agree. Yes, uh, for sure. And just as, uh, just to expand that a little, non-clinging is not necessarily... Uh, does not necessarily come from jhana states or samadhi either some people it increases clinging and it's talked about the suttas even have the danger of that that happens right we start craving more either wanting to get to jhana once we're there it's like uh um i remember when my early early days practicing i was on some retreat and uh i had hit a place i wasn't in jhana but i was I'd hit new territory in concentration. I was very pleased with how it was going. I was opening up and it was great. It was beyond what I'd even hoped for. It was so pleasant. And rather than resting in a wholesome way, the, the words, this is how corrupted my mind was, this is how the words arose in my mind, with this tone of voice, more. It just was, rather than helping liberate the mind, it just was just adding to defilements in my mind. So... Concentration, it, it, if used with wisdom, can help us let go. But forget concentration. If we use everyday life with wisdom, it can help us to let go.
4: And so the way jhana helps us to let go is to increase our mental clarity so that we can see better yeah. and then the way to let go becomes clear.
0: Right. That's one of the ways it helps us to let go, okay. yes.
4: But but you can let go through understanding. Well, uh, let me ask you a question. Emptiness and impermanence. Our, and I already know the. An-
0: I already know the answer. But have you ever had a time of learning to let go of something through understanding with, that had nothing to do with concentration?
4: Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you already know the answer is yes. That you've, and we've all experienced that. That's absolutely right. And those can sometimes be as important, more important than the insights that come from deep meditative states.
4: Just, um, that clarifies. Thank you.
5: So just uh, compare this to a scientific way. I mean, um, what I feel there is two types, material immaterial. Material um, is like uh, our material body and uh, immaterial is quantum level, atomic level. You can say more refined state. So the material, if you take a neurological way, the brain is, the first state is like a solid brain, is like a, a lump of that soap. And the second stage is the blood flowing into that. The third is like, much finer is like um, nerves. It's like uh, the lotus floating in there. And uh, much if you go much further, it is neural network. That is the, the white cloth covering it. Uh, just I'm relating that way to right, right
0: no, it's a nice way to talk about it. I've never heard anyone do that before it's 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 kind of kind of nice
5: yeah, and if you go more, much much further, it has become quantum level much atomic level immaterial so immaterial it yeah, goes yeah. like that
0: great, I love it Oh, maybe we're done Any okay. Well, why don't we do this? It's been a long day. It's 4.15. We certainly won't go past more than 15 minutes, but what I want to suggest is, is that we just sit quietly, maybe just for a few minutes, Short.